This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. everybody it is just me at the moment jake is on his way we are running way behind uh so before we jump into this episode i'm gonna do the fish head diagnostics uh question of the week this week's question is how vital is the money raised from events like uh carpet fest for nido research and how does that money help us make progress in the research and so dr susan this is going to be a brief one because dr susan's sick currently so she's not feeling too well so we kept it short sweet and to the point And the, her uh, response is, the money raised from last year's Southeast Carpet Fest is integral f- uh, for investigations into questions like, how long does nidovirus last in the environment? What strains affect what species? What disinfecting protocols are optimal? Can snakes recover from infection, or do they become uh, latent car- carriers? Can snakes create antibodies to the virus? Is there a potential for vaccination to protect snakes from the virus? Several institutions are making strides to answer these and other questions regarding the virus. Here at Fish Egg Diagnostics, we are focusing on following naturally infected snakes through the course of disease to see if positive snakes can clear the virus with supportive care. We are also getting an in vitro study together, which looks at degradation of the virus at two different temperatures on commonly used green tree python substrates. We hope to have results of our preliminary work to share at the 2020 Southeast Carpet Fest. Unfortunately, research can be slow, complications can arise with the experimental setup, testing procedures, and interpretation. But by targeting specific areas, we can start to understand how the virus works. With your generous donations, we are now able to move forward with the scientific process and help provide the uh, community with pertinent answers to decrease the spread of disease in captive populations. Thank you for tuning in for this week's question, and as always, share knowledge and not NIDO. So let's jump into episode 54, as Jake calls me right now. Enjoy. But this is episode 55, man. 55. 55. Hot diggity damn. Right? Do you like this? Yeah, dude, it's pretty sick. Looks dope. I'm really really happy with that light. Except I had an idea today. Next time, instead of it going long, like perpendicular to the length of the tub or parallel to the length of the tub make it go perpendicular have it go down the middle why well I, it's easier to get the cord out like the cord there's no slack in the cord which that snake will obviously find and destroy obviously uh, <clears throat> so otherwise it's working well that, therm- that thermostat's baller dude which what are you running that ink bird that has a nighttime drop on it that one that said that little one that's plugged in. A little white the, one, yeah. I think works. Yeah. Dude, I plugged Is it in. Accurate? Out of the box. He, he, that's what I'm getting at. So I set the temperatures, right? I gave it probably an hour and a half and then came back up here, went and got my temp gun. Temp gunned it, read what it said, right on the money. Literally like .01 of a difference. Where's the uh, probe? Okay, I see the probe. And I mean, this was like, I temp gunned it under the heat panel. Where do you have it set at? Right next to it. It's not directly under no, what it. Do you, what do you have it set oh, at? Oh, uh, 82. 82. Well, do, I'm pretty impressed do, with do it. Do it again in a couple of days and see if we'll it's We'll see. A, see but right now I'm, I'm impressed. For $30, it's 
pretty legit because that's what my that's what dad's been using on all these okay. same thing but they've got a model that's just a thermostat and then they have this one that has night to, you, like you can set two different temperatures for different times so I have it set for 82 and during the day and then at night it's at, set at like 78 I think 77 hmm. I like it interesting it's been a crazy crazy couple weeks I feel bad because we missed. This is like the first episode we've done in like two weeks. Yeah, we things missed, have just we, been crazy. We only missed last week, but I don't know. It's just been chaotic, and um, lots going on. Yep. House stuff. Dude, snake stuff, busy, man. moving stuff. I've been try- I had didn't. I meant to. I was trying to move snakes today, and it just it didn't happen. Finally getting that. I'm almost. I'm so close to being done with that setup, man. But every time I get started on something, something comes up. I have to go do crap, and like I'm. I'm so close to being done, and I finally got. I'm working on. I got the heat all taped down. I. I literally just have to plug everything in, and you know, make it look clean. So. It's uh. Well, I want to. I'm, I'm so close. Yeah, before we finish that video, because we're do, we're shooting a video. On building the uh, the Python portals from yeah. Specialty Enclosure Designs, which if you followed us on Instagram, you know we talk about a lot. Yep. Uh, basically showing my setup for one that I'm doing for green trees, and then how Jake sets up his carpets because they're two different heating options that he you know that we yeah. do. Like I do a heat panel. And uh, I'll show you a picture of how I've got the tub <laughs> set up. It's bare bones right now, but um, it's uh, I put the put got the shelves in there. Oh yeah. It sucks because is that I, a smaller shelf or is that the same size, just a different color? It's the same size, just different color. Mm-hmm. I I was gonna get a smaller one, but it only came with um, it didn't come with enough legs. So, oh yeah, the uh, yeah, one from David. Yeah, yeah, the smallest yeah. one didn't come with enough legs for it because it was only three shelves, and so I had to get the bigger one. But it ta- I set that in the middle. The only thing that sucks about the shelves they can't take it out through the portal. Yeah, I have you to take go the tub the out. And the thing about how I have it set up is so I, I placed everything just tall enough to where I could, you know, utilize all the mm-hmm. shelves. Um, but it, they're just low. The shelves, each one, they're all spaced just short enough to where I can't scoot the tubs out with the lids on it. So I have to pop the top of the bar mm-hmm. above it and then slide the whole thing out. So it's a little bit of a process, but, you know, I can probably clean it I'm sure well it can enough. be whittled down as you go. You'll find more <coughs> stuff you want to change with the next couple. Yeah, you know, and I plan on – I'm going to do that until I get another one of those racks and I can take one of the shelves off of that and then use, you know, just an extra shelf on the other one and then just use that one for uh, – whole stack of python portals but you know but we're doing a video on showing yeah. how to build them and stuff that i'm pretty excited for everyone to see because yeah. it's gonna be a little chaotic because it's got nikon footage so high quality stuff yeah there's it's a got lot going gopro on. footage and then i like when i was putting the lid and the rhp and stuff together i didn't have a gopro so i just broke out my yeah. phone so the quality's gonna change in the video but i don't know it's whatever it'll i think it'll right. be helpful yeah it'll definitely uh because these, I'm really amazed. Like, more people need to be turned on to these things, man. Like, they look good. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm proud as shit about that one. Yeah, it looks slick, man. But I will say, I posted a picture of it on Instagram, and some of the European people were, like, out for blood. They were giving, they're like, is that, that's all that's in there? That's your bare bones. That's cruel. It's terrible. One guy was like, F keeping snakes like that. He's from, like, France or something. And, uh,. I was like, it ain't done yet, dude. I'm going to get a bigger water bowl. I'm going to get some fake plants because I do like how David does his. Like, David right. has, like, fake ficus in there, yeah. and it does look good. Gives the snakes a little more 
kind of stuff going on. But. Yeah, I'm going to add some plants into uh, some of my smaller tubs. Uh, but, but the just snake with, doesn't with, need those. Yeah, so just for now. It just and looks I like just it like is. the way it looks, and it adds for cover. You know, especially mm-hmm. if you have a smaller animal. Well, oh, for like the scrub. Yeah, know, yeah, for the scrub, it difference. definitely adds a lot of cover. Um, but with my adults, like because I have the shelf in the in the big tubs, like there's just really nowhere to put plants. You know, it right. takes. But it adds like a whole nother level for the carpets. You know, to perch up on, so it's cool. It's gonna be a little bit of a pain to maneuver around, mm-hmm. but I'm actually gonna take paper towels out and use a, a loose substrate so I can just spot clean around it rather than having to pick up that thing, replace all the paper towels. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna be more of a pain with the paper towels, and you know, at least not being able to take the shelf out. Um, through the portal so and i am bummed now that i'm looking at both of these that's clearly taller the glass than that one yeah it is those are clearly two different sizes yeah i'm not gonna lie it's uh it's, I, a, it's a tight squeeze yeah because with this one with like the overlap on the glass that's like what four inches two i know he no didn't mind it too oh well that's a lot because just to get the puppy pad in there yeah like the puppy like i gotta really stuff it in there and then yeah. i gotta even it out I do like it more like this, but yeah. I don't know if that's, I'm sure that's something I can be like, Hey, can you make the overlap? Like, an yeah. Inch? Cause, cause he asked me, he was like two <clears throat> inches, like the last one, you know, referring to yours. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, I, yeah, I guess if that's what he did. You know, See, I didn't and, even know they didn't even give me an option. Yeah. I just took it to him. They cut it. They put it in there and I can't take that out. Yeah. No. Can you I take that know. one out? Yeah. Really? So I don't know how they did that. Like, I'm yeah, wondering if I they took take, a part of shit and then I, put it back in. I think they did. Because I was kind of like, yeah, like I tried to lift it out. And I, I was can't like, take, yo. I can't take mine those, out either. Just like that up there, lift it up, pops right out. That's so weird. Because I was like, there's also a mysterious hole in the bottom of the frame on that one. Neither of us did that. Yeah, no, I'm pretty, that sure, wasn't he, there. I'm pretty sure he took them apart. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he so, told me he actually takes one side off and slides the glass in. I mean that doesn't really bother me. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't really like not being able to take the glass out. I'm not gonna lie. It, it bu- sucks. It bugs me a little. But bit. at least we know that. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. Next time we do them, we can tell them like, "Hey, we want to be able to slide the glass yeah. out." But I don't know if the tracks are deep enough. Yeah, I don't know if there's something different with the portals. On there shouldn't be between the two. I don't know. Like I said, that one pops right out. I took that to them too. Right. And they did that. So. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what they did differently. I don't know, but oh, well. it's episode 55. 55. We have uh, Mike. Uh, Mike from um, Reptiles Express. Not Mike Arnold, though, because there's yeah, Mike Arnold, Mike and then there's Arnold. Big Mike. Big Mike. I call him Big Mike. Uh, Mike Houtzager. He is the co-owner of Reptiles Express, mm-hmm. Premium Crickets, and let's see, there's another insect... Like, there's premium crickets, and then there's another yeah. side brand with that. That's premium. So it's yeah, also I'm they drawing, do feeder. I'm and, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm struggling. So let's call them up. See what happens. See what happens. We talked the other day. They have a big announcement. And so we were like, hey, come on the show. <clears throat> Domino's. Mike? Hey, Mike. It's Justin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. Are you you ready to do this thing? I'm ready. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on, man? Here's, I'm, I, I'm Jake. This is Jake. <laughs> <laughs> you met at the you met at Daytona. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. 
Can you hear us? A little bit. Can you hear us okay? Here. I can hear one of you. Can you hear me okay? You're a little low. A little low. Why am I always low? You're always low. Nobody can ever hear me. I don't know, man. You're like whispering. I'll have to Google into that and look into that. Because I'm curious myself. Might be time for an upgrade there, Mikey. Am I still pretty, pretty quiet? Yeah, I still can't hear you. Okay. Who? Looks like you might take the majority of this one, then, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll ride with it. Yeah. All right. So, like, for whatever reason, this happens all the time, but people can hear me fine, and it's because I'm in the first yeah. channel. Jake's in the second channel, and it's always slightly quieter, and we don't know why. But right. now we're going to have to investigate. It's that 35-cent cable. That, that, oh, that's very possible. But I'm using the same cable, so I don't yeah. know. But that is something I've been wanting to, to throw some money into is get better cables. I'll do that tomorrow. Musician yeah, friend. So I've got, I got my volume turned all the way to the top. So just shout into it. Can you close the door? You're like, if you're going to ask me a question or talk. Yeah, I was just telling Jake to close the door so we don't have any outside Yeah, noise. just really shout it. And if, if it sounds like I'm not responding to him, then just because I can't hear him. All right. <clears throat> Yeah, well, uh, well, I'll let you do the majority of the, uh, the talking, and I'll, I'll, I'll scream when I have to. <laughs> Something. My notes have disappeared. What's up with that? Let me send them oh, to you. Smitty, let me send them back to you. I oh, know you can get the picture. Oh, that is a picture. Oh my god, I'm so unprepared. All right, <clears throat> uh, but we are already recording. We're already going. Um, we had some preliminary stuff to... Uh, we'll just make the best of it. That's it right. We'll make it happen. You know? We don't make like to keep happen. things too routine. You gotta like, keep people on their toes. <laughs> right. But, uh, welcome. Like we've said before, this is episode 55, which is crazy. That's over a year's yeah. worth of episodes. Pretty nuts. Every week. 52 weeks in a year, we're at episode 55. Let that sink in, Jake. Um, but we are joined by Mr. Mike Houtzager. Is that how you say your last name? Exactly how you say it. Houtzager. Boom, dude! I'm on a roll, like David Hockstat. <laughs> all like all these other people, they got these crazy names that are hard to pronounce, and apparently I nail them all. Nice. You're the first. I got the linguistics. <laughs> I got the diction. The diction. <clears throat> uh, but uh, let's jump right into it. And can you tell us? Who you are, what you do, all the uh, the usual introductory stuff. The usual stuff. So um, it's uh, Mike Hounsager. I am a co-owner with my wife of a company called Reptiles Express. And we've been doing it. Next year is going to be 10 years we've been working with people like you to help ship reptiles uh, from wherever you breed them to your customers throughout the United States. Um, I would say we do maybe... It's hard to say the number of shipments we do every week or animals that we ship every week, but you know, probably at least a thousand, I would say now. Wow. Wow. That's um, let me let me sort of go back a little bit of how did I get into this and and where do I Yeah, do definitely because it's that's an odd sort of as far as the industry and the hobby, like that's an odd place to be yeah. like, Yeah, I wanna I I wanna get in on that and figure out how to change the you know, change how 
how we ship and stuff like that. Like that's kind of an odd, odd thing to pick. But yeah, how did I get into? It? I what? I mean, everybody thinks I was crazy getting into the cricket business in two thousand and one. Uh, so my background has nothing to do with reptiles or insects. Um, I I actually went to college, graduated from Auburn and Georgia Tech, those guys, and went to work with a big company called IBM for 10 years. And it just, for me, it wasn't fulfilling. Um, And I had always wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to be a, either work with a small startup company or be an entrepreneur. I just, I wasn't fulfilled. It's not to say IBM wasn't a great company. It was. It just wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. And so... Nothing bad to say about those guys, but I needed to go a different direction. And so, you know, I left the company. Um, I was pretty much at the height of it. And and then I learned how, you, when you go into, go from a corporate world to a, you know, uh, <laughs> the real world, I, I think is the best way to say it. <laughs> it it's, uh, it's a different experience and you can get beat up pretty bad pretty quick so there's no safety net right uh and i i started a few companies and you know they didn't work out for one reason or another but i learned a lot and then i had to get a job so while i was working at this job it was with a trade show um company i just sort of thought in my mind okay where did I screw up? How did I mess it up? How can I fix it? What should I have done different? And when I was at that company, then um, usually our sales were on average $50,000. But a, a cricket farmer wanted to buy something and he had a $3,000 budget. <laughs> Nobody wanted to help him. I said I'd help him. And I got him something because he wanted a, something for a trade show. I asked him the question, what do you do? And as he described his cricket business, then it just filled in the gaps for me. Like, ah, wait a minute. That's exactly what I think is the perfect business. Mm-hmm. So it was like an annuity-based revenue stream. Once you have a customer, you keep the customer. I needed something that was you know, hard to do, something you couldn't do in Japan or China or Mexico and something that was a little complicated. So the thing about crickets is it's complicated to ship the crickets, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have to, you can't just, it's not like shoes that you can throw in a box and just ship somebody. So I called him up. His name was Dave Russell. Worked out a deal with him, and I would work at my job, but at night I would go and start building a website for him. Now, uh, thank God I had a you know computer background and that I worked on internet projects. In 2001, uh, the idea of a shopping cart was just coming out. Yeah. So I, I, it took me months to get a simple shopping cart going because uh, most of the ones that I tried failed. But with synchronicity, as soon as I got the shopping cart going, and I was starting to get some sales. My boss called me into his office and fired me. 
And so <laughs> <laughs> I was I was fired, and you know for good reason because my heart wasn't in that job. Yeah, I did it, but I just wasn't really enthusiastic about it. So I've been in that same I position. Put, so I'm right there with you. I'm sorry. So I've been in that that same position. So I'm right there with you. I think um, you know. You know, I I've talked to so many breeders, and I just had dinner with two different sets of breeders, and it's almost like we share the same story mm-hmm. in many respects. Um, you know, we had this passion, and we were working at these jobs just because we had to pay the bills, and we weren't working there because. We had we were enthusiastic about it, and so we were looking for an excuse to get out of those jobs and into something to really love. So, I um, I I did the uh, I started selling crickets, and it took a while, and I ate a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, <laughs> but it it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and. The one thing that I did do was I would go to these reptile shows and I got to know a lot of different breeders and got to know what their issues were, sold them a lot of crickets and waxworms and mealworms and soupworms and got to know what animal eats what. And so I, you know, I built a pretty good skill set in that area. It was about, oh, I don't know. So we started out with UPS as a shipper. And then DHL came into the marketplace, and they gave us a great deal on shipping. Uh, and they shipped for us, you know, millions of crickets. But then they went out of business. So we had a, a deal to work out with. I even went with UPS or FedEx. The bottom line of that whole experience of switching to UPS and FedEx is I realized that it was a pain in the butt to become a known or certified shipper with any of these companies. So I don't know if you guys had that issue where your boxes or something like that, you you had to get your boxes certified. So I went with UPS, but I had to go through like a two-month process of getting our cricket boxes certified to ship within the UPS network. And then I finally got those approved, and we shipped with UPS. But what I noticed was that all of the different breeders who were small, you know, it was a husband and wife or, a, you know, 21-year-old kid or something like that, they couldn't afford to go through the effort of certifying all their boxes. So they couldn't be a shipper with UPS or FedEx. And what they were all doing was Delta Dash, which cost a whole lot of money. Yeah, that's expensive. So in talking with them, I realized... <clears throat> There's an opportunity here, and I think Ship Your Reptile about the same time came to the same conclusion. And that is if we could actually negotiate a deal with, say, UPS, resell the label, but ensure that all the customers are shipping with a certified box, there's value add, and UPS signed up for that deal. And so I was able to create Reptiles Express, and actually me and my wife did this together. This is nine years ago. We did it. Um, we had Reptiles Express. We resold UPS labels, and we used a certified box. And then all the people who wanted to ship their animals 
didn't have to go through that three-month process, a very expensive process, to get their packages certified. So, so is, that's how that's how it started. Well, is there a reason? Like, what? Why did they have to have packages certified? Was it just because it was a live animal? Well, there was two reasons. One was, you know, UPS has this network, if you want to call it, and they they want to make sure that. Well, first of all, it was crickets. They did. They want to make sure that crickets didn't get everywhere, and that there was a box that was sturdy enough to go. They call it an edge press test, so they didn't want it to crush when they put other boxes on top of it and have crickets running everywhere. Yeah, that makes sense. With with the live animals, what they did was they said you need to have at least a three quarter inch bone. And they needed a white box with red letters. And they had certain stipulations like that so that within their network, they could safely transport it. Mm-hmm. And if you think about these guys' network, you know, it's millions and millions of boxes every day just flowing through it. So how do you differentiate a live animal box or a cricket box from other things so that it arrives safely? Mm-hmm. And I think that was the main thing. And, and we were up and going for a good maybe year and a half um, with Reptiles Express, and we were u- using UPS. And then this is a true story. One of the top executives at UPS watched this movie called Plane, uh, Snakes on Planes. And after he watched that movie, he sent an edict out to all his UPS, and I don't know who the guy is. But as a result of his decision, I received from their lawyers a cease and desist letter saying I can no longer ship snakes on the UPS network. All because of Samuel L. Jackson and that all damn movie. All because of that one movie. <laughs> and uh, I still laugh about it. I've seen that a couple times, and I still... I mean, it has its fair share of entertainment value, but there's so, like... I I rolled my eyes so many times, I think I got, like, muscle cramps in my eyeballs. Yeah. But that's that's just ridiculous. I mean, that it's also not really surprising. I feel like anybody not in the hobby, if they see that, they probably are like, man, this is this got to be factually accurate. You know, a Bo Ellen's python just crawled into a lady's eyeball. Like, yeah, (laughs) that's real. That can happen. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> but then you went to FedEx, and FedEx was like, happened. yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. Uh, so, so at that point, I picked, you know, I picked up the phone, and I called up FedEx, and so you guys have an opportunity. And there, there was a lot of wrangling around uh, for, I would say, a period of almost a year, maybe, but I was able to negotiate with FedEx a really good deal, and they took all of our cricket business along with Reptiles Express business. And since that period of time, which I guess would be seven years ago, uh, FedEx has been a really good partner with us. And they, I made a promise not to watch that movie, Snakes on Planes. <laughs> that was written in the contract. <laughs> if, you see, if you see it on and, TV, keep going. <clears throat> and what, and what, what I like about FedEx is, you know, I can call up the rep, and she's over there 
you know, whenever I need her, her manager's over there whenever we need him. And we've had a whole lot of different issues that, that have come up since it's Saturday delivery and a certain higher level of customer support. And it, it goes on and on. It's like a monthly thing that we deal with. And with having that really close relationship with FedEx, what we have is something you guys could never have one-on-one with them. So, you know, I feel I represent all of you guys in being the voice for the reptile industry to make sure that FedEx is working properly with your animals. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I feel really good about that. One of the things they helped me do was sort of, this is on the computer side, so a lot of stuff on Reptiles Express goes directly into the FedEx servers through APIs. Um, so like when I pull up pricing, when I pull up hub locations, um, you know, when I pull up tracking information, all that goes through programmatically through a FedEx API. I may be speaking too complicated, but... Um, they have opened up their um, computer programming technology resources to us and have been a really great help. So my goal is when you go on there and you create a label, it's as simple as possible. In order to make it simple, it's pretty damn complicated behind the scenes. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I completely agree because you and I were talking the other day and I was telling you just how how much I like your website and how much easier it makes it where you don't have to print out, you know, go find another file, you know, like the Lacey Act labels alone. You know, like you don't have to go find those separately. You don't have to fill them out. They print out with the label. You cut them. You put them on the box. Already has the number of species, what species. Like the whole thing's just so much more streamlined. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the big thing too was also having the weather for all three distant, like all three stops. Right on the website right there as you're making a label. So I don't have to open another tab, Google, and then sometimes I'll even have to double check with another website to make sure that that weather from Google is accurate. And so with this, it's just like boom, 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 everything's right there. It's just way more way more streamlined, way more convenient. Yeah, it's way easier. I liked it. I'm sold. Yeah, I've been, I used Reptiles Express for the last several shipments. I did. Yeah, and, so, uh, so what, you, what you just ran through that whole list, Mm-hmm. Is the result of you know me meeting with just different breeders at shows, at reptile shows, and just saying what do you need, what would make it easier for you, and and you just gave you know like three years worth of input, um, and the last one I don't know if you find this useful or not, but where you can you know put in a zip code and you get the closest hub mm-hmm. for for you and your customers. Because what we like for people to do is is ship the reptile to a FedEx hub, and then they go there and they sign for it and they pick it up. Right. But the, before I put that code in there, people were shipping their reptiles to a FedEx office, and a FedEx office does not accept the reptile. Mm-hmm. So I think that little piece fixed it. Um, and then... Yeah, all the other paperwork that comes out with the label, that was just a lot of you guys saying, hey, I need that, make my life easier. Mm-hmm. We had other people saying, um, I want to ship 10, I got 10 orders, and I, I want to ship them 
all at the same portrait, 10 labels at one time, make that easier. So it's a, it is a constant effort to make things easier, mm-hmm. and we're going to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason why I want to be on these podcasts and I want to talk about what I'm doing is I want to have a discussion with all of you guys, and I want to get input. Um, and hopefully this podcast will get some folks to shoot me emails or uh, give me ideas of what it is I need to do to make things easier for you. So that definitely comes through, you know, I think because it's funny, I've, I've mentioned it in the past, but I was using SYR for years and every time I saw Mike yeah. Arnold at Carbifester or a show or something, he'd be like, man, you need to switch. And I was kind of like, well, I don't think the price difference is going to be that much. You know, I'm already familiar with right. SYR, like all this, the other, I started using, like, I finally switched over and gave it a shot and I'm sold. I was so blown away. It was just, it I wish I had done it sooner. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, I mean, we've had, I've gone back four times with uh, FedEx, negotiated better deals, and I've passed most of that savings on to you guys. Um, but there, there's going to come a, a point in time where, you know, we're not going to save anymore. Right. So, so what we need to do is transition into what can I do to help you guys uh, make more sales. And that, that's the real thing I want to talk about today. Or what what are my plans to help make this market a bigger market for you? Um, so about a year, year and a half ago, uh, my wife is from England. Mm-hmm. And so we, we go to England a lot. And this was, I think, September of last year. So we were there to go to a wedding, a friend's wedding. And we decided to go to a reptile show in in England just to see what that was like. And I was kind of amazed. It was a small town, but it was a really big reptile show. There was a lot of vendors there, but there was maybe, you know, um, three bearded dragon vendors. And... Um, you know, there was, as far as ball pythons, hardly any. And, and compared to the, the reptile shows that I had, that I go to now, there was no comparison. And yeah, I had it's a like long, another world. It's like yeah, a completely it was, different They know planet. about us, and they would love to have reptile shows like what we have here, and the demand is really high. So some of the people that I know really well, like Tiki Gecko, because I know those guys. Um, they've been right next to me. They're like rock and roll stars to those guys. Now, you know Tiki Geckos, really? Mm-hmm. And what Tiki Geckos does is they do a lot of social media. Um, you know, they promote their animals. And there's a lot of people out there in England who would love to get a Tiki Gecko, but it's too expensive or it's too complicated it's not the same thing as someone in Kentucky getting a Tiki Gecko so I talked to a lot of people and found out one of the big problems with the animal or reptile industry in Europe is just the government so the government requires that if you're going to ship a reptile you have to have it tracked 
with satellite navigation. All all animals, when they get transported by law, has to have a, a satellite navigation tracking with the data log. And the reason why we couldn't use FedEx at the time to do in England what we're doing here is because they don't provide that to the British authorities. And what they want is the temperature, the humidity, the elevation, whether the, the box has been, you know, handled rough. And there's also another sensor on these things that shows if the box has been open or not. So I, I went back and, and started doing a, a big research, like what would it, what would it take to actually provide that service mm -hmm. so that we could ship with FedEx in England and the rest of Europe? And I've, I've finally figured it out, how to do it. It took a year. I started last October. But we have um, developed, basically I'm going to just buy, it's, it's a tracking device, which is battery powered. And it's in development right now. But you put it in the package with your animal. And then once you generate the label, because it's battery powered, it automatically switches from sending a signal every six hours to every five minutes. And then it correlates um, all of that data from the tracker with the data from FedEx. And so you have one data file there of everything in there. And, and then as it's tracking, then you have all these interfaces and you have geo fences and you have alerts, and we have a ton of data. And what will be good is when we launch it here in the United States, one of the big things behind the scenes that you guys never really have to deal with, and that is when we have stuck packages, and we got plenty of them, mm -hmm. um, sometimes we have to get FedEx to, to hire a courier service to deliver on time, and sometimes they deliver them to the wrong house, or they or they we, we lose tracking on them, or sometimes FedEx even doesn't know where the package is. Um, or sometimes in the winter, it might be too cold or the summer too hot. Mm -hmm. But if if we can if we can take if I can make this tracker inexpensive enough to where everybody uses it, and then we can get a nice sort of a experience and database and stuff like that here in the United States, then I've already I'm already meeting with FedEx. We're talking about shipping animals like we do here in Europe. They're open to the idea. And then once I can prove to the government that we can give them the tracking information that we need in the format that they want, then I think that's going to, for all of us, open up a big branding part. And how so, big is the unit itself? Like, what, how big is that? Are you planning for that to be? It's as big as here, if not bigger. I mean... I mean the actual it's, it's, unit it's, itself, like the actual device. Say that again, because... How big is the actual device going to be? Oh, the device. Okay, <clears throat> okay so I'm going to talk... I'm gonna, the, the device right now is going to be too big and too expensive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's about two inches by two inches by about four inches. And, you know... I have to say what my cost is is like $55 per device. Mm -hmm. So is, is that too expensive? Yeah, I, 
ideally where I, I want it to go is like something that, like an RFID chip or, or something that you just tape on your box, yeah. activate it, and then they throw it away. Um, but that technology doesn't exist yet. Right. So we have to go with what exists. And, and what will happen is that when you generate your label, you're also going to generate a return label back to you, and your customer will then take that tractor, put it in a box, the return label will be on there, and you'll get it back. Sure. So I don't, in the beginning, I don't anticipate a lot of people doing this, but I do think that there will be some people who do it for the really high-end stuff that they want to track. Definitely. Um, but, you know, if it's a $40 ball python, no, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Because I guess so, the main issue as far as shipping overseas and stuff, because from what I've been told, like a lot of illegal stuff goes through the Czech Republic as far as species that aren't supposed to be in the market. So I'm assuming like the big thing for like the UK and stuff is, is the reason they're so particular about it is to cut back on that? Or do you know, you have any insight on as far as that with shipping? All right, so yeah, I just heard a little bit of what you said, but I, I'm going to tell you what I think the issues are in the UK. Okay. Uh, from what they told me, is right now, if you wanted to ship a reptile, say you lived in Manchester, mm-hmm. and you're a breeder, and you, you had a customer in London that wanted to buy your ball python, sambo, whatever it is, you would have to hire a courier that has been certified to handle live animals. And that courier would take a trip with just your animal in it from from Manchester to London. And that's very expensive, very slow. And you have to schedule it out. You know, now if you want to ship something, uh, you just go on the Reptiles Express, do your labels, schedule a pickup, there at your house tomorrow morning, and on Tuesday, your customer has. So that that's not possible over there. But we're going to make it possible. So, so another thing that we did was, um, my wife and I, we just invested um, in another company in England. So we're, we're building another company that's similar to us. So mm-hmm. they're going to sell bugs. But eventually, they're going to be Reptiles Express Europe. And they will have all the shipping supplies there. So, so the idea is, you know, animals, let's just say you have an animal you want to, and you have a customer that you want to, in London, wants to buy. We're going to make it real simple for you. But behind the scenes, we have a company in England that's handling most of the work. You, you won't know about it. Yeah. But... But that's kind of what it, that's the way we have to do it. And the reason why we came to that conclusion is because about two and a half, three years ago, we started shipping animals to Canada. And I just wanted to learn, um, if, you, if you ship to Canada, and that was the easiest one to pick, what are all the uh, complexities? And we quickly learned that in order to ship somewhere else, you need a partner in that country to work with. Mm-hmm. Because 
you have to batch things up, and then you have to go to that partner. We have one in Toronto, and then you batch it out. So, and then you have to understand all the sightings and all the customs and all the fish and wildlife, and you have to have good relationships, definitely with fish and wildlife. And so we we cut our teeth on Canada, and so I think we're ready now for for Europe. But the only way I'm going to be successful is if I make it easy and affordable for you guys to sell into Europe. Mm-hmm. If it's too complicated and if it costs too much, you're just not going to do it. Yeah, what's I mean, what what does it currently cost? Like if I wanted to send, I don't know, a carpet to London. Like, what's the typical cost right now just for, for shipping over there, and what kind of hoops do they have to jump through currently? Yeah, I wish I could tell you that. Uh, I, I know there's a company called Dutch Dragon Imports, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, people will go to people like that and do their importing and exporting, but they have their strengths and they have their weaknesses. And usually people uh, will, what they do now is they'll, they'll use an importer like them and they'll send everything to a big show, like the ham show. Yeah. Are you familiar with that, Germany? Yep. So since Germany or Europe is kind of smaller, what happens is everybody buys their animals at reptile shows. Mm-hmm. There really isn't much of a market like we're all used to here in the United States where somebody can be in their house and you know, going on King Snake and saying, I want to buy this ball python and ship it to my house. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't happen over there. Yeah, that's so hard to wrap my head around. But it doesn't make sense, too, because Nipper, who we had on recently, he bought a bunch of stuff at Ham recently. He's sending me pictures. Yeah. He's like, look at what I, you know, what I picked up. And I, from what I can tell, it's people put a list out. You tell them what you want to get. They take it to Ham. You pick it up and pay for it there. You take it home. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, this is going to be hard for me. I mean, but I like hard projects. Mm-hmm. And, and I may fail, <laughs> but but at least I, I'm going to try. I'm going right. to give it my best shot. Well, at least you did it knowing that it didn't work out rather than just wondering if yeah, it, it would have or wouldn't have. I mean, I'm going to try. And, and I, the thing is, it would be a shame if I didn't try because I – I have the skill set to make mm-hmm. it work, right? I've, I've got the computer background, and I, I think the complicated part is going to be negotiating with governments. Yeah, definitely. The whole thing was the whole thing with Brexit might mess, mess things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not going to give up. I mean, it's and and maybe I'm paving the way for another person. But but here's what I know. And I, I think the will of the people is going to come through. I know, and I saw it over there, the people in Europe are just as much passion, have just as much passion for reptiles as the people here do. And, and so some way or another, they're going to get what they want. And, and over there in Germany especially, they've got some incredible projects going on. Mm-hmm. And if somehow those can be better introduced to this market, I think it's going to make the whole market better. Yeah, and that's the way I look at it, too, is just on, like, a global scale. Like, think of all the stuff they have over in Europe that we don't have here or can have here. Right. You know, and vice versa. That is a lot. 
I mean, some of right. it we legally can't have. Like, there's some some tinctorias from Brazil that we can't get here just because they're Brazilian. And uh, apparently, right. there's a big there's a and big legality. We can all there, learn but... from each other too. Yeah, but so, if you're already in a position where you're familiar with FedEx and you're you have a relationship with FedEx and you're you know you're right. familiar with the whole thing of shipping and starting that kind of a business, that definitely gives you a big leg up. And I think a little bit more sway when it comes to having these negotiations with companies and governments. Yes, I I think the background helps. And, and and so I'm going to move forward with it. So I'm going to come out with the tracker. It's it's still in development, but we're we're testing it every every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep coming back with different things that I want the developers to change. I think in a couple of weeks I'm going to find around five different breeders, and I'm just going to give it to them yeah. and let them use it for their shipments and see how that works. And then probably, I'm going to say in January, it'll probably be launched. And, okay. and I need, I really need people to use it so that I could build up that skill set and then go to the European government yeah. and saying, look what we got. So, you know, can we now get the permits with FedEx to ship it? Mm-hmm. And I believe if we get that, then, then that opens up a huge market for you guys. Definitely. I mean, that just that blows the doors off everything. You know, there's now no, yeah, no real barrier. You know, be it financial right. or legal. Um, because yep. from what I've heard, just to import from from the UK, it's crazy expensive. I think I had talked to somebody about. Well, I don't know. I talked to somebody when I was breeding Cresteds. They had some over in the UK, and they were selling. And I think shipping from there to me, which we're on the East Coast, so it's not like it's going cross country, cross uh, Atlantic. But it was like I think a hundred bucks, hundred fifty bucks. So it wasn't nearly as much as I thought it would be, but still, you know. Then you got to deal with customs and all that, you know, the the usual uh, the right. usual list of of things to do before it actually gets home. Yeah, I think for the the onesie twosies, it's complicated. But I'm I'm dealing with uh, a number of people that are in their 20s, that we're shipping animals back and forth to Canada, and they've got this thing figured out um, as far as what animals to get, how to price them, and, and we're doing it in bulk, you know, like where, where they'll get 20 animals in at a shot. And they're making pretty good money. In fact, you know, this one guy's 23 years old. It's his... He just got through college, and this is the only thing he does now is imports and exports states to Canada and mm-hmm. sells on the Internet. So, you know, I shake his hand that he can figure that out. So I will say the final part of this, um, where I hope this all goes, you know, before I retire one day, is I meet a lot of people that have a lot of projects out there. You know, they're, they're trying to create a certain type of spank or a certain type of gecko or mm-hmm. a certain type of something. You know, and, and they're always trying to look for specific genes. Um, and what they're doing is they're going on Fauna Classified two or three times a day 
and they're seeing if that gene combination is there. Right. Right? And if we could create something that turns that around to where when the gene combination that they want for their project is available, it alerts them. Oh, that's a good idea, too. You know, I, I think that's that would be a good project. And then the whole idea of, of the, the genealogy, that is, right now there's a lot of animals where people say they have these genes, but they really don't. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how do you build trust into a trustless system? Right. How do you actually, you know, say that this ball python has these genetic traits? Well, you can look at it, see a lot of it, but you don't know exactly. You mm-hmm. don't know the mother and the father. You just a lot of people just sort of write it down on paper. So that's why my interest in the whole cryptocurrency and blockchain and smart contracts. Um, you know, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time studying that because I I think those ideas could be applied to this industry. Yeah, and that's something I think about with green trees because lineage is a big thing in in, in the Condro world. And, yeah. Um, a lot of guys, they, you know, if you ask for a lineage chart on a public forum, they're probably not going to give it to you because they're worried someone's going to take it and then put it with a baby they're selling that has nothing to do with that lineage just to get the sale. So I think finding, Uh, like, I've thought about that where there's having some sort of verifiable source that, you know, this information that is with this animal is a hundred percent valid and trustworthy and. It's right. like find some way to do it so that if you know people screenshot it or something, it's obvious that it's not real or with that animal. Right, because it's it's like we have to transition to a, a more open system, so so that you can. I, I would love to, to somehow be able to look at an animal and really, through an app on my phone or anything, something like that, truly know what the lineage is. Um, some people would love that, some people wouldn't, right? But it would weed out the good people from the bad people, and I think it would make the overall system stronger. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like you said, you know, how do you put something like that together in a system where anybody can pretty much doctor, you know, doctor up whatever they want? Right. So that's tough to navigate. So, yeah, I've got a, I got a friend of mine who's working as he owns a company that has partnered with IBM to do a blockchain app for, I think it's for fish. And that is, you know, so that you know, you can tell, you can go to the grocery store and with a QR code, scan it, say that, and you can see the entire um, history of that particular piece of fish right there where it was caught, where it was processed, how it traveled, yeah, all that information, and you can know everything you want to know about that particular piece of fish, right? Mm-hmm. And just from a QR code on the package, and I think we're going to see more and more. No, and, it's and, funny you mention that, because there's actually a cigar company that just started doing that with their cigars. So there that you, you know for a fact that it's theirs and not, that it's not a counterfeit, because counterfeits in cigars, especially Cubans, is huge business. And so, right, so right. this guy has QR codes on the cellophane. You point it at your phone. It tells you that that is, in fact, one of theirs, what factory it was made at, when it was rolled, like, 
the whole information so right. you know that it's in fact one of theirs and not someone who just took another cigar, put this band on it, and then shipped it out. So I, th- I do, I agree. I think that's something we're going to start seeing more and more of. Yeah, I, I just think we uh, we need to have an open conversation. I don't have the answers on that, but somebody's going to come up with that application in our industry. And, you know, I'd like to be part of that effort to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that important. Definitely. Right? Because you know, there's certain celebrities in our industry, like was it Ron Tremper or, you know, and others. And so you may say that your animal came from them. Yeah. But maybe it didn't. Right. Right? Well, especially so, if you're getting into, like, complex green tree, lo- you know, lineage and stuff where they've got some Rico blood or something so, in there. It's like no one – it gets to a point where there's so much you can't keep up with all of it. Anyone could throw anything into that and be like, yeah, this is this has this in it, you know, so – being able to, right. to actually have that verified by whoever bred it or produced it. And, you know, if it passed right. through several hands, they can verify it as two, you know, because some of these snakes do float around a pretty good bit, but right, I'm all for so, it. So we got, we got to think of ourselves right now as, as really just 1% of what this industry is going to be like 10, 10 years from now. I, even though I do a lot of reptile shows, I see thousands of people. I still feel we're at the very beginning of what this thing is going to be. And right now, it's a mom and, it's, it's pretty much a mom and pop operation. And, and so I think we have to envision what's it going to be like as this thing gets bigger and bigger and you can't talk to, you know, 100 people a day or whatever. Because, yeah. And how do you leverage technology to help you with that? Where do you see the hobby being in like ten years? Like, where do you where do you think things are going to go? So I know my numbers. We're growing thirty percent per year. So that's that's a pretty good growth rate, right? Yeah, um, definitely. And and that's and that's you guys. So so you you know the overall business is growing pretty rapidly. Um, I know I do all these Repticon shows. We, we did Reptic this weekend. We did Repticon Atlanta, and I'm driving back right now from Repticon Kissimmee, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, on average, this year these shows for us is growing around 20 percent. So that's a pretty good growth rate. Um, on the on the feeder end of things, um, we're running out of stuff. So. You know, I typically sell like a quarter million superworms a week, and we grow we grow some of them, and I buy some of them. And I can't buy any right now. So, what's happening is <laughs> this industry is growing so fast that us feeder guys are having a hard time keeping up with it. Mm-hmm. That's confidential information, so don't tell anybody. <laughs>
to get the right information so they don't kill their animals. And they, they can build a, a community of like-minded people and talk about, you know, their panther chameleon um, and, and enjoy different aspects of it. So you, you really didn't have that community where, you, you know, you might have somebody in Berlin or somebody in um, Brazil, right, as mm-hmm. part of your community all over the world. And as, as the world gets smaller and smaller through the Internet, you're going you're gonna to hook up with a lot more like-minded people. And so you're going to form small core groups of people, and you'll be the experts in in what it is you do, and you'll write the books and do the videos and talk about it, but you will now uh, motivate thousands of people, tens of thousands of people who watch and listen to your stuff to want to participate and enjoy what you take for granted. So I personally see it growing exponentially, However, we have to make sure that it's done responsibly. Absolutely. Um, and and that's, that's a hard part. And the way we do it responsibly is through education. Mm-hmm. And, and through visibility, so that we're not selling something that it really isn't. For that's a long-winded... Certain. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but... Here's the, the thing we all really want to know, because we see you guys at shows right. all the time. Where the hell did you find Mike Arnold? <laughs> <clears throat> did he just get dropped off on your Dude, doorstep I, one day? You found him in an alleyway. In That's England. right. <laughs> you find it, you throw something in a dumpster here and go, ow! And then, like, go... <laughs> and like, what are you doing in there? <laughs> You know, you, you sent me a list of questions. That one wasn't on. It wasn't because I was just thinking about it. I was like, wait a second. It was like, you got Mike as the face of your company at most social events. So I was like, how do you end up with a character like that? Oh, gee. Yeah. Well, did you, did you import wife, him from the UK? Is, you're going to give a big head. So, so he's up in, So, you know, he's at Tinley this weekend, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Tinley uh, Reptile Shows this weekend. We're actually at three Reptile Shows this weekend. Um, and there's another young guy that's sort of my protege. His name is Ryan. And Ryan went with Mike up there. And I talked to Ryan uh, t- today, and he says, he says he can't believe it. He said, Mike is like a, a rock star. Everybody knows him. He said, I've never seen anything like this. And and I'll tell you the story of Mike was <laughs> the story of Mike. the story of Mike starts the in the show. Story of Michael. Let's see. The, okay, my my wife is British, right? And so Mike I was wondering is if there's a correlation there. So there was there was that common thing there. Mike was initially into um, chameleons. He has a tattoo of a chameleon on his leg, and he worked at Nordstrom's. And he ran the shoe department there, and he had a $5 million a year quota. Damn. He's a great salesperson, but bored out of his skull. And he he had a passion for reptiles, just a crazy passion. So what he would do is at the Atlanta Repticon show, he would come up, he was first our customer, and then 
I hired him to work with me behind the table, and he did a great job. And then, then I remember saying, okay, Mike, if you get fired from Nordstrom's or something happens, we'll hire you. <laughs> I'll be waiting. <laughs> and I think the next day he showed up. <laughs> and, I, you know, it's it's been, he's been a, it's, I don't know what to say. I don't want to give, he's going to hear this. I'm going to give him a big head. He's going to ask for a favor. It's already pretty big. <laughs> Yeah, it's already pretty big, yeah. I love that guy to death, he, though. Hanging out with him's a blast every time we see him. Yeah, he's in his comfort zone. And so what I try to do with Mike is just make it easy for him to operate as Mike. So if there's a if there's a carpet fest in Pennsylvania somewhere or, you know, wherever it is, and he wants to go, I you know, I say go. I'll see you in a few days. And... You know, I just I ask him what what does he think is a responsible thing to do to grow the business, and you know, nine times out of ten he's right. Now sometimes he's wrong, but I do as much as I can to to help him enjoy what he does. And the thing about Mike is he could work anywhere he wants. The reason why he's here, I think, is because he loves you guys and he loves the animals, and that's it. And I'm sure he could be somewhere else doing very well. But we're lucky we have him. Selling crack in an alley in Chicago or something, maybe. But... <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he could probably sell crack pretty well, He'd too. He'd be a prostitute in he London. Would. What are you talking he about? Would, if he was selling, like, MDMA or something at the club, I bet you he'd be slaying. Oi. <laughs> that fool could I don't want to sell... know about it. I don't want that fool could sell it. ice to an Eskimo, man. <laughs> He's like a used car uh, salesman. Sees you coming around the corner, he's like a vulture. <laughs> oh Just comes God. hopping over to yeah, your dead body. Dead uh, well, you know, at first I didn't have him at Reptile Express. And he was he was at Premium Cricket and he was he was doing customer support on the on the telephone <laughs> selling crickets. <laughs> 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 Made it sound that? much more exotic with his accent and everything like that. Yeah, well, oh, people man. liked him, but he hated it. <laughs> and then I, we, I remember we had Amy, and Amy decided to leave, and, and he came to me and said, I got a deal for you. And and the rest is history. So I said, okay, you're it. And he said, all right, you, you tell, I want my desk here, here, here. I want this, this, <laughs> this, this, and let me go. <laughs> Jeez. He's the kind of guy he you want. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, every time, every time I see him in a show, man, he's there. Mike's hilarious. He's ready. Man. He's not out. You know, he's not. He's not ignoring the booth. You know, he's having conversations right. with people. If someone comes up, he stops. He does this thing. You know, he's he does it. He balances it all very well. Yes. He's yeah. the dude. And you know, I give him a budget to take you guys out and get you guys drunk. I actually give him money to do that. What? What? He's then, never once got. I never me saw drunk. any of that at Daytona. No, 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 no. So, so what happens is he comes back with the money, and I say, Mike, what? Why did you spend it on the, the vendors? And he says, Well, they all bought me drinks. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be his cigar budget then. Oh. Yeah. And then me and him can. Yeah. I went, wow. Okay. Well. I, I myself couldn't get away with that. <laughs> but he's he's a really good. Um, 
sounding board because uh, I have a lot of crazy ideas sometimes, and he'll say, Mike, that's a great idea. Go with it. Or he'll say, Mike, that's just a dumb as a... Dumb as fuck. I can say that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is a podcast. Yes. So, yeah. And you know what? I I like it when he calls me on things. I like it when he says, yeah, that's pretty damn stupid. How long has he actually been working for you, though? Like, when did he actually start? Five years. Five years. It's funny, the first time, I told him this, too, because when we were in Daytona, I told him the first time I saw him, I think, was at the Columbia Repticon. And I thought he yeah. was Dutch for some reason. Like, for whatever reason, when I heard his accent that day, Dutch. it didn't sound British to me. It sounded like he was Dutch. But then I it's saw London. him again. Like, yeah, saw, yeah I saw him again. I was like, oh, that dude's definitely The, the first time I actually, like, met met Mike I was at uh, Southeast Carpet Fest. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I, I know yeah. I've probably seen him at the Columbia show and stuff. But well, I never, like, Charleston, he was at Columbia, I, never, was at I never spoke to him or anything. But it was at Carpet Fest I actually, like, met met him. And it was funny because, like, I had no idea who he was, but he came up and started talking to me like mm-hmm. he knew me because he had listened to the show. I had no earthly idea who this little British man was <laughs> talking to me. And uh, then, you know, he talked uh, to me more, and I realized he was cool. And I know, see him at every show, and it got to a point where I thought maybe there was, like, a cloning thing going on. He's, uh, it's like he's a wizard. He's a wizard, man. He's everywhere. <laughs> he listens to all your shows. Oh, yeah. He's great. He, he loves Hi, Yeah, he told me about it. And I said, you know... <laughs> I need I need to start doing stuff like this. I need to get out there yeah. and, and carry the conversation on. Podcasts are the best thing. In fact, when you called me, I was listening to a podcast. <laughs> <And that's, laughs> you know, that's what takes me through yeah. uh, these long trips. And this is my time where I can. It's quiet, and I can I, I can just get intimate with the subject, mm-hmm. and I just learn a whole lot. We've done that on a few road trips. Mm-hmm. We put on some Joe Rogan yeah. on our long drives. Oh, yeah? He's uh, good. He's good. Man. I honestly, like, that's the weird thing, though, with doing podcasts is I don't really listen to, to too many other ones. I don't. And it's mostly just because I just don't have time. Like, the atten- like I'm usually doing something that requires me to be paying attention to that. And so if I put on a podcast, right. I end up not listening to it because cons- I'm doing whatever I'm doing. I can't consume what I'm listening to. Like, I can't really absorb like, it. Like, I have to be sitting down. Because and- I'm thinking about crap right. all the time. You, you have know? to be like- sitting down and focusing on what's happening. Right, right. Right. Which is rare for me to be sitting down and having nothing to do. Yeah, people always ask me, like, did you, ca- did you catch the last NPR? Yeah, I'm like, actually, I, I did because, like, I hate that I don't really listen all that often, but, you I know. catch episodes every now and then, but it's yeah, just something usually like, at work. I, I go back and listen to, you know, when I can, but, like, I'm busy a lot, and it's like, it'll be in one in, in one ear, out the other, mm-hmm. because I can't focus on more than one thing. Like, I mean, I can, for me, it's... I can multitask, but I can't take, I can't absorb yeah, what I'm listening to. But I'll put know? them on at work, right. and then I have people coming in and out, and so right. I have to pause that podcast every time someone comes <laughs> yeah. in, go help them, sit back down, turn it on again usually 30 seconds later someone else walks in and so it, it gets to a point after like the fifth time of doing yeah, that, that i'm like remember, i'll just listen i don't even remember later. what we were talking about yeah. <laughs> i can only only when i'm driving these long drives yeah I yeah yeah I, that's that's why i'll listen to podcasts right that's it yeah and, and it's a lot better i like music and all but but sometimes i just like being intimate with the subject mm-hmm. and it's dark it's quiet and i can get into it for sure. So, yeah, I mean, my original podcasts, I guess you could say, were like Art Bell Show with aliens and time travel. Mm-hmm. 
that sort of stuff. I used to love to listen to that. And the market has just gone way beyond that. You know, now it's, it's any It's you crazy. Want. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that today. I was like, man, you want to find a podcast on like tree service, like someone who cuts down trees. There's a right. podcast for it. I guarantee it's somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's anything it. you can think about. Mm-hmm. It exists. No matter but how there niche are it is. A lot, there's a lot of people making a living doing podcasts. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. there are some people making a really good living. So the, the friend that I told you about that's doing the blockchain thing with IBM, he lives in Puerto Rico, and he has a neighbor that makes a six-figure income every month doing a podcast. Every month? Every month, yes. Holy shit. See, but that's the thing. Is like That depends on what market you're doing it in. You know, yeah, like right, reptiles. Yeah. I don't. You'll never. I don't think you'll ever do a full time podcast for reptiles, just because nah, it's I, such a smaller, smaller right. circle. It's a niche. Yeah, yeah, and well, you might one day, though. Yeah, eventually, maybe. Yeah, I think that that's that that ten year down the road thing. You know, I think reptiles will be one of the one of the cool things, maybe. You know, in in ten years, and it right. could be taking off, and where you could do something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but. You know, especially at the rate that, you know, you've seen, Mike, that it's been growing since you've been in business, you know, 30% almost every year, even 20%, like that's a lot on a yearly basis, you know, and and, 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 and at a a 20% increase every year, you know, for five years, that's, that's doubling, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, and and so, and. You know, I'm sure other people, I'm not the only one growing at that rate. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talked to Todd Goodman, who's the president of Timberline. And Timberline is the largest cricket company in the world. They're out of Illinois. And I met him down at the Daytona Reptile Show. Uh, Todd told me he's put in, uh, this year, seven new cricket farms. And he says, he, seven. He said he cannot keep up with the growth rate. Jesus. That's insane. And what Mike tells me is that the one who makes the biggest contributions to U.S. art is Todd Goodman. And so, you know, he's doing so well, he needs to have these tax write-offs. But he, he does it in the reptile industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's growing like that. I know Armstrong's is growing. And then now there's some that fall, you know, that they, they can't make it. So... For one reason or another so it's really kind of a high volume you have to know what's going on in your business if you mess up it's like a race car driving you're going to wreck and burn mm-hmm. but if you if you if you do have all your metrics right and you pay attention to your business you're going to do well and, and you'll and you'll prosper and you'll grow but it's it's, a, it's getting to be a complicated business i, I have so, no doubt yeah, and now we have all these different things, like in my business, you know, the advent of the roaches and the discoid and the duvia roaches and the hissa roaches, mm-hmm. and how do you grow all those profitably? And then there's a whole new market sector of, um, and I know you guys are snake guys, but the whole bioactive thing where people want to create a more natural environment yep. for their animals, which I love the idea. 
and I made a big investment in a brand new room and a full-time employee just to do bioactive. Well, I mean, just look at uh, isopods alone. Like, look at how crazy popular yeah. isopods have gotten just in the last year. Like, people are now keeping cultures of those as, like, a, like they're not literally having them to have them. Like, uh, Matt Marcy at Cloudforce Designs literally makes labels now for isopod yeah. guns that show you the species, where they come from. Yeah. Like, people are keeping them almost like they're dart frogs. It's really strange to me, because I never have looked at them like that. Anything other than food? Not necessarily food, but just, <laughs> like, you put them in a vivarium for something else. Like, they're meant right. to be there to help keep it clean. It was never a keep it right. because they're you know it's a pet almost. because they think they're cool you know yeah it's very it's very strange but they've gotten so ungodly popular uh zach her made a poster with all the different species oh yeah and people yeah. are buying the snot out of it it's insane man yeah so <laughs> i i i have now a full table at every repticon show of isopods that's how popular it's got and I love this, the, the people that actually buy isopods, they will, they're, they're totally different than everybody else. So they will go and they will look and they will study that isopod for about five minutes before they buy it. <laughs> and, and, it's, and they're the, like the smartest people I know. Yeah, but it's just they a- have a... They care about they they care about their animal and they really want to study the environment and have that same environment that they are raised in or that they came from. It's just, if someone had told some me rubber duckies, those are neat. Those are I got cool. those. It's just, if someone had told yeah. me a couple of years ago that isopods would be the next big thing, super popular one day, I'd be like, okay, buddy, <laughs> okay. Hey, whatever. <laughs> You, so you and Mike you Arnold have been hanging out too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, what man. if somebody told you you're going to have roaches in your house? Speeders. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. I, I went down that road. Yeah. No, I had a right? hiss as a pet as a kid. It was pretty cool. Right? Yes, sir. We, we have a lot of kids walking around with our hissers. Yeah. They're neat. You ever played with one? They're cool, yeah. man. Nah. Why not? Nah, dude. I, I have, like... A phobia of roaches because of, of of a trailer that I lived in. It but was the doobie like are different. Unearthly, ungodly, un- infested if, with roaches, and it was just. They, if you keep doobie long enough, they're almost like a beetle. Like they become less. Like they're not very roach-like compared to the roaches we have nah. running around here. Like the males are, but nah, the females, like care. they're almost. You almost don't even think of them as I don't a roach. Care, anymore. man. I used to wake up with roaches crawling on me, and then it, no. That's because you were living in a trap house. Yeah, yeah, I was. It was a, it was terrible. It was a terrible, terrible trap house, and I, I hated every second of it. And yeah, no, I don't do roaches. <laughs> Started from the bottom. It, it still, eat. it still makes my skin crawl, man. Like <laughs> just thinking about it. And it I think I had one crawl across my face one night, and I woke up just panic because oh i had no gosh, idea what it was dude. it was dark i couldn't see it yeah. but i could feel it i've, I've like woken up in the middle of the night because i felt something crawl across my leg and i'm like fuck <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's uh yeah it's no well i'll tell you something crazier so my wife is a chef she she worked uh as a nutritionalist uh-huh. and she worked in a rehabilitation center for years so she knows about nutrition, and we watched this movie uh, called uh, "Can Can Insects Save the World?" Put on by the BBC. This was 
four years ago. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of guys from the BBC went to Thailand, and they saw these people, everybody eating crickets. That was the main part of their protein. So we were shocked that people would consume insects. Mm-hmm. And I'll fast forward to now, we actually started a company that takes our crickets and turns it into a powder for humans to ingest. Yeah, we oh, saw that at Daytona. You yeah. remember that? Because I was, I was like, I really am tempted <laughs> I to try that. some. It was like a protein powder. Yeah, thing. it was like chocolate flavor. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, See, no, I'd try it. Yeah, I hear that a lot. I'd give it a shot. I hear that a lot. Yeah, no, I would, I probably, I would do it for, you know, just for the, just for the industry. I mean, man. to me, it's a, like, a, it's a, it's a f- f- mental frame of mind, like shifting. Yeah, that. no. Like if you think of sure. it, of it in the case of in other parts of the country or world, I mean, people eat this kind of stuff yeah. all the time. Like it's not yeah, that I'm out sure of the ordinary, I'm but sure for it's us, very good for you, you know, it, it's they, completely out of the ordinary. Yeah. <laughs> it is good. So what we do is uh, we go around to high school up and she'll bake brownies and cakes and bread. Oh, no. <laughs> Pull the old switcheroo yeah. on them. Oh. You're like, you want a brownie? <laughs> you want a brownie, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what. It. Okay, usually, usually everybody loves it except for one. So there's one person in every presentation that will not touch it. <laughs> but all the rest of them will eat it and ask for seconds. Oh, I mean, my I'd gosh. try it because I mean, when it's when it's ground up like that, if it's, it's not like brown, if you if it's, it's not like brownie, you're eating a whole cricket. If you're like, yo, I'm not gonna like this isn't poison. There's just some like cricket cricket particles yeah, in here. It's baked into the brownie. Cricket. I'd be like, all right, yeah, it's a brownie. You yeah. know, like I ain't gonna pass on that. <laughs> it's got like, a little cricket in it. It's interesting too because you put other stuff in brownies. You ate it. Uh, yeah, and I bet I bet you that same person who ain't go eat that brownie, uh, ain't go eat that brownie, a little bit of cricket, and probably picked right. their sausage up off the waffle waffle house floor. Don't eat that sausage. Yeah, no, nah, get out of here. Yeah, I'm gonna eat that cricket. <laughs> so, well, she came up with the idea of putting them in pills, which I thought was a good idea. Mm-hmm. That's all those two. We'll, we'll all swallow a pill. Yeah. And there, there was a video on Facebook floating around last year, I think, and it was some company, I think, in the UK that was yeah. looking into, like, basically making a, f- a flower made from roaches. Because the whole thing oh, with... That's the, in, I, I think that's in China. Maybe. But the whole thing was, like, the, just the, the mass sustainability of, yeah. of how you can make so much more food out of one... Yep you know, uh, facility of crickets than you could infinite numbers of like cow pastures. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I thought it was interesting because so it just... makes sense. It's a lot easier to, to raise up a bunch of bugs and eat those rather than, you know, even 20 cow, like 20 cattle take up a ton of land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And water and they produce methane mm-hmm. and on and on and on and on. But so, so if you just look at what is, what resources does it take to produce, say, one gram of protein, you compare a cricket to a cow to a pig to a chicken, the, the least amount of resources the planet needs to put together for a using a cricket to produce that one gram of protein is the cricket by far. So it's less water, less food, less space, less everything. Mm-hmm. So the math works out. 
what you're going to see is just more and more people having that as a supplement. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do. I take these pills every day, and for me, I'm a little older than you guys, but I was having the problem of just getting tired. Yeah. And and I think it was, and you know how people just get these vitamin B12 drinks at yeah, every yeah. rest area that are five thousand percent of your daily value of B12. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> yeah, like look at a was, look at a five hour energy, five thousand percent of your daily value of B12. Jesus. And and I question that. So so why so much? And the reason is is because it has to break down five times in your body mm-hmm. before it's available. So I've learned this thing called bioavailability. And the thing about a cricket and their powder is it absorbs right away. So there's nothing that's being broken down. It's And you get this kind of this cool feeling after, after I eat them. Huh. Uh, so I stay awake. If I have a headache, I take three of them, it's gone. Yeah, you and can't OD on having, cricket dust. And you can't OD, it's not <laughs> you can't bad for OD your liver. on cricket dust. <laughs> Oh so there's, there's a lot of good stuff, but, but so I bet you Mike does lines of the cricket. Yeah, doing more in that area. I bet you Mike every night at the bar he's just chopping up lines of cricket, <laughs> cricket dust, dust on the bar and just doing some fat rails. Mike, and, uh... Uh, uh, Mike that, we can't get Mike to do it. He's Red Bull Coke. Oh man, yeah, nah. what a pussy! Hey, Mike is, he's at that age where he's invincible. I mean, I'm tired all the time. I'll take some cricket pills if it helps. Magic cricket dust. Because caffeine doesn't do it for me like it used to. Right. I think there comes a point in time where you say, hey, whatever I'm doing is not working. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to live my life. And I don't want to live it, you know, on two cylinders. I want to be back on eight cylinders. And crickets are the gateway. Well, that, for me, it's my gateway. Now, I'm not at eight cylinders, but I went from two to six. Nice. I'll say that out. Hey, That's still yeah. a jump. <laughs> That's a big jump, man. <laughs> Pretty good. I was actually going to go to the doctor because I was, I was just feeling just so sluggish. And the, the problem is, when you feel that way, you can't really tell people, hey, I don't feel good. They're going to say, what's wrong with you? But, <laughs> yeah. What now? <laughs> Yeah, what now? What else you got? <laughs> Join the club. Surprise, okay. surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're here we are, we're talking how we get to this. We were talking about breath talk. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's all interlinked, so I think. And that's a that's a great thing about our businesses and maybe that's a good takeaway for people that are listening to this is I don't I don't think you should just settle on one thing. So start with one thing. So you can see how I started with crickets, but crickets turned into Reptiles Express, Mm -hmm. which turned into Europe, which then turned into Canada, which then turned into cricket protein. And it just goes on and on and on. So always, you know, always look for something that complements what you're doing, and then you'll grow your business. The path is rarely linear. No, and and you're going to screw it up a whole bunch, and you're going to lose a lot of money, but you'll make money. You got to enjoy then, the journey. It's about the journey, not the destination. Every, 
and, and then every now and then somebody like Michael Arnold is going to show up. <laughs> and just fuck everything yeah. up. And <laughs> just completely throw a wrench into everything. <laughs> oh, man. So treat them good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we are at an hour and a half. So oh, my God. <laughs> if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do it? Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be interested in feedbacks and thoughts. So, I mean, you can go to the website, Reptiles Express, Premium Crickets. There's a number there. But my personal email is Mike at Premium Crickets, M-I-K-E at PremiumCrickets.com. And just shoot me an email and just kind of outline what you want to talk about, and I'll give you a call. And um, I'm really interested in people who are thinking, who have some of these thoughts, and maybe want to partner up with somebody. Maybe you have some of the missing pieces, and then together we can make it, you know, work out. So Mike at Premium Crickets. Teamwork so, makes the dream work. That's right. Well, that's what Mike said. Oh, God. <laughs> well, Justin, you can never say that me. again. <laughs> All right. So well, you guys, yeah, keep up the good work. I don't know what happened, but now I can hear you. Are you kidding oh, me? I don't know. Wow. I can hear you perfectly fine. Something <laughs> just clicked. Wow. <laughs> I'll get. I'll look. I'll get better quarters tomorrow. I think that might. That might be the issue. Okay. It might be. These are the ones that came with that. the mics, and they're you know they're fifty forty dollar mics. So. Huh. Yeah. You did something, but it sounds great now. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I'm right. playing right. it that right. way. You know, and same with you guys. If you guys come up with like the magazine or some of these other things you want to do, if I can support you, I'd be happy to do that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Mike. We appreciate you coming on. All right. All right. Well, thank you for the time and um, have a good evening. All right, thank man. You. you too. Appreciate it, Mike. All right. Bye bye. This is very insightful. Yeah. You always wonder, like you see these companies like Shipping Reptiles, Reptiles Express, yeah, Reptiles to You, and you're like, how on earth do How'd you, you get do into that that, that yeah. business? Like, what yeah. makes you say, I'm gonna start a reptile shipping company? Like, I don't really, I want to keep a few, but I'm mostly interested in stuffing them in boxes and making sure they go cross country and make it alive. Yeah, I am gonna try. I'm gonna try some of that cricket stuff. If I order some, if I do some of the powder, you want to do a YouTube video? <sighs> I'm not gonna do bumps of it. <laughs> if you, you wanna do, do Maybe you want bump and dust. Let's do a let's do a YouTube video, a taste test. Taste test of the cricket dust. I'll get the chocolate flavor, so it's Okay. Would you rather do chocolate? There was like what, chocolate? I wanna say there's like a caramel or coffee or something. Maybe. I don't know. I would let's try, try it out. Yeah. Maybe we can get uh, Reptiles Express to donate some Maybe. for us to do a video on and uh they can send us a little outline about I what almost it is and... bought some at Daytona. I was about to, and then I was like, ah, I don't, I'm scared. It's just so, it's so <laughs> odd, man. You're like, but it I looks mean, good, because it, it doesn't look like anything, it doesn't look like, you don't see cricket legs yeah. or anything in it. It looks like your regular protein powder that you would get at the store, yeah. like any of the whey protein or anything like that. It doesn't look any just, different than that. It in. looks finer, but it's made from ground up crickets. Yeah. I'd be willing to try it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not against it. Do I just do it for the do you, it for the you, hobby. You want to try it, but then you're like, "But it's crickets." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, nah, I think I've had worse things. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I ate a crab once. 
that I like. Like found. a live crab? Yeah. That like, like a fiddler? Found it in the marsh. What is wrong with you? I don't know. I was pretty young. Pretty sure some of my friends dared me, and I was like, all right. Hi, Jacob, and welcome to Jackass. (laughs) (laughs) Just tastes like dirt and salt. That's what a marsh is likely going to taste like. That's pretty much what a marsh is. Looking back now, I feel kind of bad. I'm like, man, that crap didn't do anything to me. Like, I just ate it. (laughs) Yeah, this is messed up. (laughs) It's fucked up, man. But I did it, and, like, I'll I'll own up to it, but, like, I I won't feel good about it. Oh, great. All right. James is probably going to make a meme about that. Now. Probably. James Lewis, make a meme. You asshole. We know you're going to. I hate you. There will be a meme by morning. <laughs> yeah, I'll release this episode <laughs> five minutes later. I'll have a meme. <laughs> Every time, man. There's always like one. Like clockwork. There's always one. Good old James. Killing Simply it. Serpents. Check him out. Check him out. He's, he makes some memes. Some he's, a, funny. he's a meme. He handcrafted memes. Yeah. Artisanal yeah. memes. Original, too. That's what I like about him. Yeah, the last midget one he did was pretty good. I had I had a bunch of people messaging me yeah. like, "Dude, send it to me. I want to see it." Yeah. <laughs> I had Cody McMillan so up funny, in dude. Canada was like, "Send it." The other day he was like, oh "I kind of want to see it," and so dude. I sent it to him. I was like, hey. "It's hilarious." It's really not anything like vulgar. It's, no? it's, I mean, it's just not something depend, I felt like posting on, on the Instagram. Depends on who. Yeah, no, I wouldn't post on Instagram. Depends. It really depends on who look at it. Who looks at it. like if some little kid's mom sees it. I don't think she'd be. Very yeah, that's why. But you know, conscientious of our audience yeah so. for the most part <laughs> but um but, right, hey well, episode 55 was brought yeah. to you by steve snakesuary and fish head diagnostics. diagnostics but steve snakesuary we're gonna have i talked the other day southeast carpet fest 2020 is happening august uh august good god february, february 8th <laughs> and steve is donating a whole set of the Venom Sauce Collection hey, for this auction. Nice. So if you want to try these sausages, sauces, 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 uh, you will be able to bid on these. Yeah. So definitely check them out. If not, Steve Snakesuary. Check them out, y'all. Dot com. You get you, your Venom if Sauces. You haven't, what the frick are you doing? Hot sauces. Some people like a little heat. Some like it hot. Some like a mild. He's got, He's got one it all, for everyone. Man. They were tasty. Yeah, we tried them all. If you haven't seen that, go check it's out the YouTube. video we did. It's uh, They're all pretty good. And that's coming from a guy who's not super into hot sauces. Mm-hmm. And I actually enjoyed the majority of them. we even put them all together. Yeah, we made a hur- what do they call it? A hurricane when you do all the soda together. Know. Is that what they call it? Or a suicide, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what they call it. Yeah, yeah, we did suicide with the hot sauce. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty good on those boneless wings. Yeah, it was. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did. I did like that. But anyways, bet you if you marinated some bacon in some of them, they'd be pretty good. Mm. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck was that? <laughs> you just swallow a hiccup. Is, yeah, is that what you pretty see? much. <laughs> but uh, so Steve Snakesbury, check him out on Instagram and Facebook and his website. Uh, we are extremely proud to sponsor him and everything he does yeah. as far as education in the greater awesome Louisiana area. Uh, he's constantly posting about events he's at, yeah. spreading the good word, defending the faith, and then fish egg diagnostics, obviously, Obby. leading the way in NIDO research and helping Can't everyone. They're them. they're making the bridge. Can't stop, won't stop between us and what's happening in the scientific professional realm. Making, making of moves. virology, making That's moves right. and just kicking names and taking ass. Yep. Episode 55. <laughs> I'm Justin Smith of Women Goes Exotics. This is Jake.
With J.O.B. Morelia. We'll see y'all later. Peace. Subscribe. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Spotify. Follow us on Facebook. At the Herpeticulture Podcast. And on... What is... Am I having a stroke? Instagram, Facebook, all that good crap. Herpeticulture Podcast. Just go and find it. Just Google it. New video dropping soon on the YouTube channel for these Python portals. Check it out. We will post it on our Facebook page, which you will, if you're not already, go and find and follow and like. Yep, yep. Really leaving now. Thanks again to Mike for coming on. Reptiles Express is awesome. Check him out. Do it. See ya. Bye.